Did you know that real estate is the method where many people in America have become multimillionaires? Do you want to learn about real estate? Stand by. Welcome to the Real Estate Exam Podcast. This is a podcast where we will provide you sample lessons for the real estate exam for the states which we offer full real estate exam audio lessons. Our audio lessons are designed so that you can study for the real estate exam in your state while driving, exercising, or otherwise using time which would be unavailable for reading or looking at a computer monitor. For more information on the full series of lessons, which we have available in various states, go to reexampodcast.com. Good luck in your studies. A career in real estate sales can be extremely rewarding, but the first step is to get your real estate exam license. This is Franz. Welcome back to the fifth audio lesson in the five lesson sample series that you signed up for. This lesson is going to be on authorized relationships. If you found these series of lessons valuable, please consider purchasing the full set of lessons available at the website reexampodcast.com. If you have any thoughts on these sample lessons, feel free to write me a note using the contact form at the website. Also at the website, we have links that may come in valuable to the various state departments that you would be needing to deal with. Let's get on to the final sample lesson. Welcome to this lesson entitled Authorized Relationships. In this lesson, we're going to be talking about the different relationships that exist between people in real estate transactions, especially when we're talking about agents and brokers and things of that nature. So let's go ahead and get started. The first thing you need to understand is the law of agency. The law of agency creates what's called an agent. And an agent is simply somebody who works on behalf of someone else. They can make financial or real estate decisions in behalf of another person. So in order to become an agent, you need to understand your responsibilities, you need to understand the laws so that you act as a good agent. So if you don't understand everything that you need to, you're not going to make the choices that are going to be in the best interests of the people that you are representing. And so that's extremely important to first be licensed and educated. And when there is an agent, there's also somebody called the principal. And the principal is spelled just like the principal of a school. That's a person who gives the authority to the agent. So they're the principal, often in saying a real estate deal, is the person looking to purchase or sell property. The principal then gives certain duties, delegates them, in other words, to an agent. And then that authorizes that agent to act on the principal's behalf. An agent is also known as a fiduciary. 
And a fiduciary is simply somebody who is supposed to act in the best financial interests of the person that they represent. They want to make the decisions that are going to make the most money for someone who is selling a home or another piece of property, for example. Or, if in the case of somebody buying, they want to get the best price for the person that is purchasing the home. So in that way, they are acting in the best financial interests of the person that they represent. So an agent is also a fiduciary. So there are two different kinds of agents that you want to know about as well. A general agent is somebody who's given general powers. They have a broader scope of their agency where they can take just about any action that they feel is necessary and within their fiduciary responsibilities. The second kind of agent is called a special agent. And in this case, a special agent is supposed to only perform one specific type of duty. They're given a special power to do one thing. They don't they can't just do anything they like. They can only act as an agent under specific conditions. So that is why they are called a special agent. Next thing I want to talk about are some brokerage relationship options that exist in the state of Florida. The first are transaction brokers, the second is a single agent, and then the third is a no brokerage relationship. So let's go ahead and talk about each of these three kinds of relationships. The first is a transaction broker relationship. That's where a broker acts as either the agent for the buyer or the seller, or sometimes the buyer and the seller. When an agent does this, they're known as a dual agent. With that, and that's not as common, but it can happen. So where they represent both the buyer and the seller. But you could see where that could be a little bit difficult as they're supposed to be acting in the best interests of both the buyer and the seller. And sometimes the best interests of the buyer are mutually exclusive to the best financial decisions of the seller. So that makes it a little bit interesting. They have to try to remain impartial and try to get sort of the best deal for both sides. So to try to reach some sort of compromise that is acceptable to both sides of the transaction. A transaction broker has limited representation, so they can only act in very specific contexts, in this case, in the buying or selling of property. And the buyer or seller is not responsible for the actions of the transaction broker. That broker is responsible for his or her own actions. So what is a transaction broker actually supposed to do? Uh, well, one of the first things that he or she is responsible for is accounting for all of the funds. So there are many different times when funds are changing hands when you're talking about a real estate transaction. There can be earnest money, there can be money that goes into an escrow account, there's the, the final purchase, you can talk about closing costs. So a transaction broker is responsible for making sure all the money goes to the right place and that none of it is ends up where it's not supposed to be. They're also required to disclose any 
information or facts that they know about a property, especially ones that are not easily observed by the buyer. So if the property has a history of certain things, certain repairs that have been done, there are certain problems with the property, the transaction broker is required to disclose those before the transaction goes through. So that it makes sure that all the facts are on the table, that these are not things that the buyer is going to find out about later that might have influenced the buyer's decision to purchase the property in the first place. A broker is expected to act honestly and fairly and to do all due diligence. That means to get everything done that they're supposed to do within a timely fashion. And that they're supposed, for example, they're supposed to uh, present any offers and then counter offers in a timely manner. So if somebody offers a price on a piece of property, they're supposed to present that to the other party and then the party can make a counter offer, which then be presented as quickly as possible to the first party. They're also supposed to exercise confidentiality when dealing with privileged information. So they, they're going to come into contact with information that is not generally as well out in the public. They're going to learn a lot about finances. They're supposed to keep these sort of things in confidence and not disclose them except in a manner prescribed by regulation. And finally, they can perform any additional duties that they agree on in their contract. So there might be different duties depending on the different kind of sale and the different buyer or seller, but uh, those are up for a little bit of leeway. So that's a transaction broker. The second kind of relationship is a single agent relationship, in which case the broker works as a single agent for either the buyer or the seller but not both. So the other one, it could be the buyer and the seller, the buyer or the seller, but in a single agent relationship, it has to be just one or just the other. Allowing a single agent to act as a dual agent is illegal in Florida, so that's not going to be allowed. And in this case, it's a lot easier for the agent to have a fiduciary relationship in which they are looking out for the best financial interests of just one party, either the buyer or the seller. And so if an agent is a single agent, they have to disclose that at the time that they're going into their agreement. So both parties need to know who the agents are and that there is a single agent that is representing one side or the other. So it's not a transaction broker where they can play both sides. And just like the transaction broker, they have pretty similar responsibilities. They have to account for all the funds that are changing hands. They have to disclose any of the facts that they know about the property. They have to be honest and fair. They have to keep confidentiality. They also have to act in obedience and loyalty. So they have to obey anything that their principal tells them to do that is within the scope of the law. Of course, they can't, they're not supposed to act on instructions if they're illegal. So if they 
the principal tells them to do something illegal, they of course don't have to follow that. But then they also have to be loyal, they, which means that they're only acting in the best interest of the principal and not of anybody else, including themselves. So, for example, a lot of agents work on commission. That means they get a percentage of the final selling price of the property. So as you can imagine, it might be tempting for an agent to try to drive up the price so that the percentage of what they get is a higher percent. However, doing so can harm their fiduciary responsibility. If they're doing that, they are no longer being loyal to the principal, for one, and they're no longer acting in the best interests of the principal again. So in that case, that's something that is not allowed. And then finally, they do have to present all the offers and counter offers as quickly as, as possible. And finally, we have a no brokerage relationship. This is also known as non-representation. This means that the broker can just not have a brokerage relationship. The broker doesn't represent either the buyer or the seller. And then this, this also has to be disclosed at the time that the contract is made. And that uh, if the broker does not have a relationship to either the buyer or the seller, they're simply there to make sure that all the funds go where they're supposed to and to disclose any facts that are relevant to the property. And then, of course, to act honestly and fairly. But in this case, they are completely impartial to one side or the other. And a note about um, agencies is that they it's possible to have what's called a sub-agent. And a sub-agent is like an agent for an agent. So they are agents that are under other agents. They are people that are authorized to assist and represent an agent so that they, they also act so in a way for the principal, they're just to have another kind of layer of command in between the principal and the subagent. And really, they have the same duties as an agent. They are just there to assist. So, for example, a sales associate is an agent of the broker, and that makes the sales associate a subagent of the principal. So now that we've talked about the kinds of relationships that agents can enter into, let's talk about some of the limitations. Something that brokers have to do is keep very careful paperwork. They have to disclose the different relationships they've entered into on both sides in writing to both buyer and seller. And they have to keep these documents for a number of years so that they just have these as the records. So that if there's a dispute later that someone can go back, take a look at the records and clear that up. Also in writing, somebody can go ahead and transfer from a single agent to a transaction broker, but you have to then give a notice to both the buyer and seller, and both the buyer and seller have to be on board with that. There are a few other restrictions for 
what are called non-residential transactions. So these are transactions that are buying or selling much larger properties, usually things that are not intended for residential use or for someone to live in. In this case, both the buyer and the seller have to have assets of at least a million dollars, so much larger transactions. The broker designates one sales associate to work with the buyer as a single agent and another sales associate to work with the seller as a single agent. And then the broker facilitates and gives advice to both sides. So there's a, the broker is kind of the third party. You have a separate agent on each, each side and the broker is just facilitating the entire process. Now, there are a few different ways that a brokerage relationship ends or is terminated, as the terminology goes. The first and one of the most common is that the intended purpose of the brokerage relationship has been fulfilled. So the transaction has gone through, the property has been sold or bought, and so it's said that the brokerage has performed its duties. And so the brokerage relationship ends. A brokerage relationship can also be ended by mutual agreement where both parties say, okay, we're going to go ahead and terminate this relationship and a, so on a mutual basis. It can end if the time has expired in the agreement. So if there's a certain limitation on how long the agreement is supposed to go and then that expires, that can end the brokerage relationship. A broker can renounce the relationship by giving notice. So that's just called a, this is just called a resignation. So the broker can voluntarily resign by giving notice. The principal or the also known as the customer can also revoke the relationship by giving written notice. If either party dies, that's also an enter the relationship. If the property in question is destroyed or condemned, then this also ends it. So say there was a natural disaster, there's an earthquake, and the property is suddenly no longer available because it was destroyed, then of course this ends the brokerage relationship. Or if the customer declares bankruptcy, then this also ends the brokerage relationship. Well, that is all for our lesson for today. Thank you very much for listening. This is Franz. That was the final sample lesson that you signed up for. I hope you found it valuable. If you did, please go to the website reexampodcast.com and sign up for the full series of audio lessons. This will allow you to download the lessons into your listening device. You will download the MP3 files onto your computer and then you will be transferring those into your iPhone or other listening device for listening at your convenience. If you have any thoughts, please write me a note by using the contact form at the website. Best of luck in your studies. Thank you for listening. We hope you found this lesson valuable. Again, we are offering audio lessons for the real estate exam for various states. Check out our website, reexampodcast.com, to see if we have audio lessons available for your state. If you have any thoughts or suggestions, please contact me by using the 
contact form at the website, reexampodcast.com. Keep studying. Keep studying.